All right, I, I'm going to speak this morning on the clothing of the called ones, the clothing of the called ones. It's kind of a long title, but I like the alliteration, so I went with it. It is what it is. Um, we're, it, I'm going to read from a parable that Jesus gives in Matthew 22. And uh, I believe this parable has been seen in a few ways, even that word called ones. Some of you may come from traditions that you're like, called ones, is that a determinist or a Calvinist or what was it all about? So this parable has been used for that, and I think it's funny that it's used for that because uh, it actually speaks very clearly that everyone has been called inside of the parable. Those exact words are, are said in there. So this parable, I believe, is an invitation for each and every one of us to that king's table, to that wedding feast that he's invited us to. For each and every one, whether you're a believer or unbeliever, he's inviting us in. But even more so, the parable points to a challenge uh, that I believe the Lord is speaking to each and every one of us in this morning and specifically in this season. So let's get to the scripture. Matthew 22. Uh, we're going to start from verse 2. It says, this is Jesus talking. He says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they wouldn't come. Again, he, said, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I, I, I have prepared dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants and treated them shamefully and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and built their city. We realize very quickly uh, the, the imagery that Jesus is pointing to historically in the Jewish church of their day, and even possibly prophetically to what will happen in AD 70 with the, the temple in Jerusalem. Jesus is talking about uh, people who had been invited, God's people, the, the Jewish people. But then he moves on. He says, and then he said to his servant, the wedding feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Ouch. Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you can find. Anybody on the street, invite them. They're invited to this royal wedding. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered everybody they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at, the, look at the guests, he saw there was a man with no wedding garment. He said to him so affectionately, he says, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? He was speechless. The king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. We're going to talk about that chosen in a moment. This is a sobering message this morning. I, uh, I really prayed to the Lord when I first found out I was speaking. I said, Lord, give me something encouraging to share to your church. And this is right where he took me. And I wrestled with it for a few days until I said, okay, Lord, this is what you have. Um, this is a challenge. This is not a threat from the Lord, but this is a challenge to our heart to know he's calling us to his table. And so before we get into this, I, I, I just like to pray just to really seal this moment to the Lord. So would you pray with me and for me as I just pray for you and, and these moments we have, because I believe the Lord's going to do something special. Lord, we look to you. We've turned to your word because it's what you've given us. Jesus, we thank you. You are alive and you are moving. We thank you that you are real. And Lord, you've invited us to, to be a part of your people, to be a part of your kingdom. 
And as we approach a word today that's sobering and challenging, Holy Spirit, you are so good at turning it into joy and turning it into uh, restoring. And so we look to you today, Lord. Be here with us in these moments. Right now, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, have any of you gone to a wedding before? This is kind of a silly question. I think like mo- most of you have been to a wedding before. Um, Long Island weddings are crazy. If you, if you have time, Google average cost of Long Island wedding. It's crazy. I got married three years ago or two years ago. Wow, two years ago. It's three because we're coming on. That, that's not enough to get the wrong number, right? <laughs> now, now, your own wedding doesn't count. Your own, you can't, you don't really attend your own wedding because your own wedding, you're kind of like this prop. Everyone's like, oh, take a picture with so-and-so. Your parents are like, here's, the, here's your eighth cousin that you've never met before, but it's so important. He used to have this, he used to have this food truck at the corner that we all, and you're like learning, you're like, okay, okay. And then like the, the, the wedding planner is pulling you all over the place. It's kind of like this directed day. Everyone's like banging on the glasses, like kiss. I'm like, I've been married for eight minutes and I don't get to control my own affections towards my wife. Other people tell me photographer comes in, you're, you're like waiting in the back room. They're like, all right, take a few moments. The pastor always says, take a few moments and really just take in what's happening. It's the most important day of your life. You're like in the back room, just waiting, thinking about it, looking down in a suit you'll never fit into again. They tell you that. Everyone's like, get, you're gonna get back. To, you'll never fit into it again. I've tried. It's been two years. <sighs> photographer comes in like, okay, we, we have a picture with you and your grandmother. Uh, so your grandma's here, come on out. And you're just looking up like, wait, my grandma's alive? They're like, oh, we're sorry. We, 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 met, we met your wife's grandmother. Your wife's grandmother's here. So your own wedding doesn't count. But when you go to other people's weddings, it's the most beautiful occasion. And your weddings are beautiful too. We know that. It's the most beautiful occasion. You, you show up, everyone is dressed beautifully. There's flowers. There's all these like sentiments to remind you of their love and their relationship. And, and you get to be a part of this wonderful day. The food's always amazing. I don't know the last wedding I went to with fat calves, but, but you know, normally the steak is pretty good. And if not, the chicken's fine. And it's beautiful. And so, so we see why Jesus would use this analogy to talk about the kingdom of God. It's a wedding feast. Even back then, it's like the most obvious setup for a parable that, that there's a king who has a son who's getting married, and we know we're the bride of Christ. And there are three main sections in this parable, and we're going to walk through them one by one, and, and I believe there's a call for in each individual section. So I'm just going to return to these. We're going to read them uh, just one piece at a time. Starting in verse 2, it says, Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they wouldn't come. Uh, it said, again, he sent other servants, saying, those who are invited, see, I prepared the dinner. I got everything ready. Come to the wedding feast. It's an invitation. We see they had to save the date. They knew. They knew that today was the wedding. He said, just come on out. The food's hot. But they paid no attention. They went off. They were busy. One to his farm, another to his business. And then the rest treated them shamefully. They killed the servants that were sent to just tell them, hey, the wedding's on. The king was so angry, he, he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their cities. He leveled it. Then he said to his servant, the wedding feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. We realized very quickly that worthiness was less of a sin relation than it was a willingness situation. It was a willingness. The time came. They knew. They had to save the date. They RSVP'd. They knew they were going to be there. And when the food is ready and the time has come, 
They're not willing. They're kind of busy. I got to go take care of my farm. Like you couldn't take off one day. And this is the first underlying message we find in here. To the believers, there's a seat for you at the king's table. Are you prepared? Are you ready? We know theologically we have this concept of the already not yet. The already not yet is this idea that says Jesus has already come. His kingdom has become. That word, uh, when it says the kingdom of heaven may be compared to, it's actually in the aorist passive. And so that doesn't mean much except for it meant, it really means the kingdom of heaven has become like, has become like. It, it, it's already like this in this season. It, it's, it's become like this, so it's present right now, but we also have this eschatological view in the future that the kingdom of heaven will be like this banquet at the end of time. And so we have this weird tension in the, in, the, in the parable. But we know right now there is a table to eat from. And brothers and sisters in Christ, are we prepared or are we kind of putting things off? Pastor Ted has given us two very challenging messages the last few weeks talking about what's in the way. What's in the way of seeing the glory of God in my life? What is in the way for me seeing what he has, the transforming power of Christ in my life? And I, I really hope you've taken some time to, to begin to pray into that. It's not everything at once, but, but, but we have to continually ask ourselves, what is my priority? Because our priorities can shift. Hey, seasons change priority. Sometimes it's a busy season at work, and all of a sudden work takes first place. Listen, work sometimes creeps its way up, but work is never first place. That space is always reserved for the Lord. So to believers, there's a seat reserved for you at the king's table. Every day, there's a seat prepared for you at the king's table. Are you prepared, and are you coming? He moves on to, to this next section. He says, go, therefore, to the main roads, and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. Just go into the streets, find anybody. You go into a shop, if anybody's in there, say, you're invited to the royal wedding. Come on, the food's hot and ready to go. And they went and they found everyone they could. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. We're going to talk about that too. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. We realized, secondly... Everybody gets invited to the wedding. And so I have this question for you, and it's kind of how the parable places it, so I couldn't find a better word, but, but to the outsiders, to the others, there's a seat reserved for you at the king's table. How will you respond? You may be here today, and, and you may be sitting in these pews amongst a group of people, but maybe you don't feel like you belong. Maybe you've been coming for a little bit or a long time and, and you feel isolated. You feel, if you're being honest with yourself, like an outsider or like an other. Jesus makes it very clear. Everyone is invited to the table. There's no us and them. Everyone has received this call. No matter how you identify yourself, how you see yourself, if you feel like you identify with the good or the bad, You've been invited to the king's table. How will you respond? If you feel like an afterthought, you're not. See, Jesus doesn't only want us to show up to the dinner. He wants to empower us. He wants us to, to act as his hands and feet to the world. 
He wants you to bear his name. He wants to call you a Christian, to call you a son or a daughter of the king. That is not simply an obligation kind of love. We used to say this in youth all the time. Like if you have, some of you may not have had great parents. Some of you had great parents. I really like my parents personally, but I know not everyone has had great parents and great fathers or mothers. And some people, you feel like you've been loved out of obligation. You feel like you've been loved because your parents had to. You felt like you got a little bit of their love and affection, but the rest of it, it wasn't about you and they didn't really care for you. See, God doesn't love us like that kind of father. He's not a God who loves us out of obligation. He loves us out of choice. The king sent those to the field. Scripture says that we've been adopted into the family of God. He chose you. He handpicked you. He died on a cross just for you. So if you're here today and you feel like an outsider, you feel like you don't belong, let me just say, if you never heard it before, you belong. Jesus is inviting you to his table just as you are. Whether you feel like you're good or bad, we realize quickly that you don't become disqualified because of your past. We also realize that not all good people are at the table. Good or bad, wherever you feel you fit in, the Lord is calling you today to his table. How will you respond? And we're gonna pray that prayer at the end, but if that's you, I want that to begin to just sit in you. Scripture says, if you would just confess with your mouth that he's Lord and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you'll be saved and you could eat at his table. The last section of this, and this is where we're gonna land, and this is where I believe the challenge is. It says, when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. I'm gonna stop there because scholars for centuries have debated whether or not that wedding garment would have been provided at the door. We have historical evidence that in the case of a royal wedding, the king would have actually provided the wedding garments for everyone who would be there. We have contextual evidence here because he just said, go to the streets and tell everyone to just come on in. So we see that that wedding garment would have been, people aren't just chilling all day in their wedding garments in the streets doing their job, tent making. I don't know of any other ancient, were there ancient butchers? I don't know what the other uh, you know, jobs would have been. But they weren't just chilling in their wedding clothes. And so we, we imagine it would have been uh, a given out of the door. And he said to him, friend, so affectionately, friend. Same, same thing that Jesus calls Judas in the garden. Friend. Almost like that last moment of, of you could be redeemed. How did you get in here without a wedding garment? The man was speechless. Then he said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him in the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. This isn't a threat from the Lord. This is a warning. Truth is truth. We know that, yes? He's saying, this is how it's going. And, and in these moments, we're like, well, I don't know if I can handle that. Well, I don't know if I can handle God, if I'm being honest, right? There's a lot. There's a big mystery of who God is. But we see here, everyone has been called. If you're listening to this message, this is you hearing the good news of Jesus, that he's invited you to his table. There is goodness on this side of eternity and next side. David in the Psalms will say, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land and the living. That means right now there's restorative, there's transformation that will take place. But there's a reality that there's a transformation we've been called to as believers. And that is placing on that wedding garment. And we know this. This is when we could step out of the text for a moment and understand that we are clothed in Christ's righteousness. Not our own, his. 
We are clothed in his goodness. He is the one, the Holy Spirit is the one that decides to live in us and transform us. But we need to be invited, and we've been invited, and we need to accept that call. This is the last message to everyone who actually shows up to the party. Are you willing to change? Are your hands open before the Lord? This man shows up. He hears the call, free food. So he shows up to the party. Who knows what, why he would have showed up. Probably the free food. That sounds like it would have been very good, very greasy, keto-friendly. He shows up, but he doesn't get changed. He refused to be changed. We know it's all through Jesus. I wholeheartedly believe this garment is representing a faithful life to the Lord and faithful living to the Lord. God wants to clothe us in his righteousness. He wants to clothe you in his righteousness. Will you let him? And like we said, it looks different for every person in every season. Some of you may be here with your spouse and you're like frustrated. You guys may be in different seasons of being clothed with that righteousness, but guess what? The Lord's gonna do the work and it's all about trajectory. We, we as a family yesterday had a, a memorial service for my aunt who passed away uh, last year to COVID. It was in April of 2020 and it was probably the first death, uh, COVID death we knew of. And, uh, and I remember... I remember right after we got the call, I sat down with my wife and, and we cried and, uh, and I said, you know what? It just stinks because she was alone. Like, no one knew what was happening at that point and she was in the hospital. No one could visit her. No one could really speak to her, you know? And, and I said, it stinks she was alone. And we sat there yesterday throughout these services and I, I just had this word just beating in my heart this weekend. Um, and I just felt the Lord say, she wasn't alone because I was with her. And, then, and it's as I'm hearing these stories, and I'm like, of course he was with her, because every time she was with us, the Lord was radiating in her. The Lord was coming right out of her. You know why? Because she was clothed in Christ. She allowed the Lord to come on in and fill her, and so that, in those moments, she wasn't alone. And can I tell you what the world needs right now? People who are clothed in the righteousness of Christ. People who have been transformed by Christ from the inside out. You guess what? Your workplace, he's not sending a missionary to come to your workplace. He's not going to send, you're not going to show up one day and a celebrity preacher is going to be sitting at your desk like, I'm here to preach to your whole staff and everyone's saved. He already sent you. He's not going to send any more missionaries to your school. That's not going to happen. Guess what? He's sending you and your kids and teenagers. He's sending you to your classrooms. When you see kids that are broken, you've been given permission to be the hands and feet of Jesus and be restorative. He's sending people out in our world that is divisive. Everyone is divided. I can say that. Everyone is angry and jaded and frustrated. I can say that because no matter where you land, I, can, I know we are all frustrated right now. And he needs Christians to come on in and bring unity. He needs Christians to come on in and be who God called us to be and begin to restore and begin to heal and find a way to build bridges instead of burning them down. And band, you guys could come up whenever. I'm coming to a close here. Scripture is filled with examples of faithfulness, filled with examples of faithful living. And God's calling us to be, have faithful boldness like Moses when he stood up to Pharaoh and faithful, faithful boldness like the prophets when they stood up and they stood before the people. He's calling us to faithful willingness like the disciples. When, they, when God said call, when, when Jesus said follow me, when God called them and they said I'll follow you, I'll go. 
right where you're at. When God knocked Paul off that horse and he challenged him and Paul said, I will follow you, God, the rest of my life. We need faithful listening like Samuel when the Lord called. And Samuel said, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. We need faithful patience like David. When he was waiting in that season, he was king. He was already anointed king, but he had to wait because there was still God's anointed in place. And he was patient. Man, how many of us need patience in the season to see what the Lord is coming through? Faithful obedience like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they went to that fire and the Lord saved them. And, and faithful obedience like Stephen when he's stoned to death. It's not easy. This is a challenge from the Lord. Are we going to be faithful? Are we going to be clothed? Our vision matters. I always like to try to put some kind of practical why behind the idea. I believe faithfulness is not rooted in perfection. It's rooted in our direction. You're not going to be perfect today. And believe me, by the time you leave this side of eternity, you're not going to be perfect. We're all working on And Christ is working in us. And, and, but it's not that kind of game. But it's looking at the Lord. So many Christians are staring right now out of fear. They're looking out in the world right now, and they're so fearful. They're so fearful about what's going on. They're so fearful about what could happen. And you know what happens when your eyes are filled with fear? Your hands begin to act out of fear. Your mouth Fear comes out of your mouth and you begin to be hurtful and you, be, you begin to be jaded. You know what happens when our eyes are on the Lord? We begin to have Jesus' hands. We begin to heal. We begin to show the world what Jesus actually looks like. We've sanctified our preferences and we've baptized our complacency. I felt that from the Lord this week. We've sanctified preferences and baptized our complacency because we're comfortable. And so we've, we've actually uh, uh, begun to contradict our own faith. We've taken things we believe and we put it to the side because we just prefer things the other way. We've compromised with our values. We've compromised with, with conversations that we have that don't reflect Christ. And he's calling us back to be transformed. And it's not simply a doer thing. It's a, I'm going to allow Christ to do this. Some of you are just walking around frustrated. I really felt that this week as I was praying. Some are just frustrated and they're walking around angry and you feel like you're losing your temper a little bit quicker than you used to. I challenge you to take 30 minutes every morning with the Lord this week. 30 minutes. You'll have to wake up 30 minutes earlier if you're not already doing so. 30 minutes with the Lord. And just see, when you come back in next Sunday, See how you feel. See where your self-control is at. It's not a behavior a modification trick. It's allowing the Holy Spirit in to do what he's been doing for 2,000 years and even further behind that. We need to be covered in the garment of Christ. Amen? We need it. We need it because the world needs it. The world needs Jesus so bad. And the next time he's coming, the next time he comes from the cloud, we know that's the end. We know that's that eschatological banquet. It's before us. So for now, he's left us and he's placed his Holy Spirit in us to go. So will you respond to his call today? I want to pray in this moment. If you're here, and, and when I was speaking about those who felt like outsiders, those who felt like they didn't belong, I didn't want to pray it in that moment because Jesus very clearly wants to provide that warning. So you've heard the whole picture. 
you hurt. He's calling us to a life of transformation and obedience. I often echo at, at a table service, must have been five, six years ago, they had a panel speaking, and, and Barbara Morales, one of the leaders in our church, she said this statement that has stuck with me since, the Lord's love language, everyone knows about love languages, how we receive love and we give love in our preferred ways, she said the Lord's love language is obedience, every time, in the little things and in the big things, and he's calling us to obedience. But if you're here and you heard that about, about outsiders and maybe you feel like an other, maybe you feel like, like you've never truly been called because everyone else seems to have something you don't, I want to invite you to that prayer. The Lord is calling you today. He wants you to be his son. He wants you to be his daughter. He wants you to bear his name and be his hands and feet in this world. He wants to restore your life in the places where there's hurt and there's brokenness. He wants to come in and bring restoration. So if that's you, church, we just all close our eyes just for the sake of focus and attention on the Lord. If that's you, just pray, Lord, I want you in my life. I accept your call to be your follower. I accept the call to the wedding feast, knowing that you have my best interest in mind, knowing it's you that will restore knowing it's you that will transform. Not substances I've taken, not, not ideas, not places I've run to, not people I've run to, it's you. I receive you into my life, I believe who you are. And everyone, everyone who's accepted the call to the table, would you just pray this in this moment, just Lord, change me, transform me. I know it's not because you're unhappy with me. It's because you love me. Father, I need to look like you. I need to be your hands and feet. My marriage needs your help. My kids need your help. My workplace needs your help. My family needs your help. We need you. This country needs your help. Jesus, we need you. Thank you, Lord, for these moments. I thank you for everyone who, who prayed one of those today. I thank you, Lord, that you've always been faithful in my life to transform me, to show me what that season looks like one step at a time. And so, Lord, I just pray they would experience exactly that, your life-changing power and transformation in their life today, oh God. Disturb us with our routines. Disturb us in our preferences, Lord, that we could once again be recentered on you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and worship.